grab your Bibles. To go to Deuteronomy, please. There are a couple different conversations that are regularly happening in our house these days. The first one is about chores. I heard some chuckles. <laughs> there, there is a chore list in our house. Uh, I, I think I've mentioned that before. It has grown over the summer. And we've had to have some, have some conversations with our, our kids about why the chore list has grown over the summer. And there are a couple of, probably three reasons. One is that they're just getting older. And so uh, age equals responsibility. Um, but the second one is that it's summer. And so there are more people in the house more frequently who are making more messes, which means more cleaning. Right? That's just basic math, right? It's just, it's just basic. This is just the reality. There's more going on, so more needs to be done to keep up with it. And you have to do your part. It's part of being part of the team. But it, that is happening because of the season that we're in. It's summer. And the season changes the activities. Okay? The season changes the activities and the responsibility. The, the third reason why the chore list is expanding is because it is actually our job as parents to make sure that we are forming our children. It's, it's not simply our responsibility to make sure that boxes get checked and that this chore gets done as though the whole goal is an operation of a house. It's about forming kids who, who need to grow in their own understanding of what it means to love God and to love other people. And one of the ways that we show love to other people is by serving them. And so it's, we're in a, a process of, of slowly trying to, to train our kids to look for the need and say, how can I help? To, to look at what needs to be done and say, I can participate in this kind of way because I have this ability. I see that opportunity and I don't need to be told. It's about forming kids. And that's the season that we're in right now. And it's happening particularly because of the summer. We're in summer. It's a season of summer. The other thing that's happening right now in the season of summer is that my kids are doing math. You might actually think that's funny if you know anything about me, right? I'm not very good with numbers, right? You may have noticed that before. My kids are doing math right now. My wife is a teacher. But our kids are doing math through the summer because it's summer. And what happens in the summer is that kids lose some of the gains that they have made through the school year. And it took a lot of pain, actually, to get our, some of, sometimes to get, get these kids to a point where they actually get numbers a little bit. And we didn't want to lose that through the summer. See, there's a season, and that season brings certain activities, certain responsibilities. 
And that comes about not because my wife is a tyrant, not because my wife is even a teacher. It comes about because my wife deeply, deeply loves her kids and knows that this is actually what's best for them right now. It was a wise decision to say, you will do a little bit of math today. And my kids, you know what? They're responding, and initially, they're responding exactly the way that everyone else would. You're making us do math in the summer? What kind of mom makes their kids do math in the summer? I'm not not putting you guys down as parents who maybe aren't making your kids do math in the summer. My point is, this season showed us this need and this opportunity, which led to these activities. Are you noticing the theme? Season leads to something. Season leads to certain activities. And they come out because we deeply, deeply love our kids. And one of the things that the kids are going to need to learn is that being told we have to do chores, being told that we have to do some math, is actually coming from my parents' deep, deep heart of love. It it is love that motivates that. I could hire a cleaning person and my life would be easier. You pay me well enough, I could hire a cleaning person and my life would be easier. I am telling you, it's more work for me. Way more work. It's more pain. It's more frustration. But my kids need it and they would lose if we hire a cleaning person. This is an act of love. I know the parents probably get this a little bit more than the kids, but I do see the smiles here going, yeah, I I get where he's going. It's an act of love because this is the season that we're in. These are the needs that are presented, and therefore these are the activities that are going to be paired up with that season. You're going to see this in the scriptures. And you are, I hope, going to see that God has this church in a season. And the season relates to activities that he is doing and that we need to respond to. Okay. You will then go and apply it to your own particular lives as well. It comes out of love. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7. We talked about this last week. The focus last week, as as Joel mentioned earlier this morning, was that God is deeply, deeply jealous for his people. He loves his people. He is deeply, deeply passionate about getting all of you. All of you and every single part of you. He is deeply, deeply loving. And you see this again in verse 7 of chapter 7. The Lord did not make you his beloved. Your translation might say, did not set his love upon you because you are greater than other people. Just stop there. All I want to point out in this verse is that you didn't earn the love. He chose to put it on you. He is deeply passionate and deeply committed to you. He loves you. And you didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. He loves you regardless of the week that you had. He loves you regardless of the performance that you brought to him and said, look how good I did this week, God. And that didn't change God's love one bit for you this week. Not one bit. He set his love upon you. He is jealous for your heart. He is 
fiercely, fiercely committed to you. And it's out of that love that there's some match and there's some chores. Okay? So now we're going to go to the math and the chores because that's the season we're in. Because, but it comes from love. Go to chapter 8, please. These people are in the wilderness. Moses is speaking to the people of Israel gathered on the edge of the wilderness and the promised land. And they are about to go into the promised land. And these are the things that they, he needs to make sure that they know before they get their inheritance. We'll come back to that a little bit later. But they've been, what he's doing at the moment is reminding them that they have been going through a wilderness season. Look at verse 2 of chapter 8. Remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. They've been in a season of wilderness for 40 years, right? We'll come back to that. He did this in order to humble you, putting you to the test so that you would know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and he let you go hungry. And then he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, in order to make you understand that man shall not live on bread alone, but man shall live on everything that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. Man, woman, boy, girl, everyone. That's what we live on, live by. And then he says, your clothing did not wear out. Your foot, your feet did not swell these 40 years. So... You are to know that in your heart, Lord your God was disciplining you just as a parent disciplines his child. Look at verse 15. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness, that season that they were in, with its fiery serpents and scorpions, its thirsty ground where there was no water. And he brought you out, or excuse me, he brought out water for you out of the flint, of the rock of flint. In the wilderness, it was he who fed you with manna, which your fathers did not know, in order to humble you and in order to put you to the test because he's a terrible person. You're a bad parent. Is that what it says? No. In order to do good for you in the end. The wilderness season had its goal that God would do good for them. What did the good look like? The good looked like going through a wilderness, going through a season where nothing seemed to go right at all, where they were hungry, where they were miserable, where they were complaining, where, where they were wondering where their next meal was going to come from, where they were thirsty, thirsty, thirsty. He takes them through a wilderness. He takes them through a season. It is a season where love shows up in a different form than maybe we want, than maybe we expected, than maybe we hoped for, but it is love nonetheless. The math and the chores are still love. Okay? The discipline of the Lord is still love. The season that we go through when it's difficult, 
when it's confusing, when we come to God and we have more questions than when we, uh, after we spent time with him than when we showed up. It is still a season where what God is doing is wanting to show you his love, but his love comes in a variety of forms, and it's not always warm and fuzzy, but it's still love. It was love to take them through 40 years of wilderness. The point of it, as you heard a couple of times, was to produce in them humility. It's the humble person that can actually receive this season as love. And sometimes he continues to take you through that season until you're humble enough to see that it is love. You follow that? It's actually God's, God's love for you and for me that we go through seasons of confusion and desperation, times where, where we look down inside us and we go, I, have, I do not have the resources for this God. But he does it in order that we learn that we don't have the resources for it. Because that's the most loving thing that he can do at the time. Because it would not actually be loving to allow us to think that we continue to bring all that we need to the table. Would you look at verse 5 again, please? The conclusion he draws, one of them, is that God wants you to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you the way a parent disciplines a child. Don't hear the word discipline as punishment. This wasn't actually a season of punishment. This isn't a word that means punishment. In fact, it's it's much more uh, instruction and punishment. The, The point of the word is that the Lord is Forming people. It's formation. And consequence is one aspect of forming people. But instruction and training are other forms. And it's that sort of total concept of formation that the word here is getting at. The Lord, and if you look at it, the context isn't talking about punishment. In fact, the previous verse talks about how you know, you remember in the wilderness when it was really rough, the Lord provided for you. He gave you food, and your feet didn't even swell as you wandered, because he pro- and your garments didn't wear out. You were poor. He, know- he knew you couldn't go to Walmart to get your next outfit. He provided for you so that you could continue to recognize his good provision in the moment, because that, that is also the Lord's discipline, formation. He is forming people. But that formation often takes the the form of going through a wilderness, of going through a a place that we just don't understand. Um, I had us sing this song again this morning. Joel was the one that picked it, Joel Ratz, uh, as we were 
going through our, our worship set this morning, I, I came back up and I said, let's do this song one more time. This is, this is absolutely key to what the Lord is getting at this morning. Uh, Lord, light the fire again. Remember this line, you know my heart, my deeds. I'm calling out, light the fire again. I need your discipline. I'm calling out, light the fire again. The song talks about God looking at us and seeing that there are places that still need work. And he takes time to refine things. Refining means that things get heated up. It's not comfortable. But what God does is take things out of us that don't belong there. And that is something that we need. And what we need is for the Lord to, to um, what we need is for, for us to begin to participate in that process rather than rebelling against it. Because that's one of the things that Moses points out to the people is they didn't actually recognize the season that they were in. That's the really scary thing about this whole wilderness experience is the people are, are getting manna. The people are getting thirsty. The people are lacking. And they're, they're going, we're going through a hard time and they're complaining without actually reflecting on what it is that God is doing to them and for their good in that season. And they needed Moses to point it out to them because they weren't learning the lesson. The lesson was humility. The lesson was that the Lord is doing something in you in this particular season that requires this kind of response. We're in a summer season, we're doing math and chores because you need this. They're in a wilderness season, therefore you, you should be responding to God with humility and dependence on him. And instead what they're doing is complaining. They didn't respond properly to the Lord based on what he was doing in the season they were in. They didn't put those pieces together. We need to put the pieces together. Because God is forming people. Look at verse 2 of chapter 8. He says, I want you to remember that the Lord your God led you into the wilderness. Jesus has his amazing moment. He has his baptism. The Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove. He has a spiritual mountaintop experience. And the very next thing the text says that happens to Jesus is the Spirit led him out into the wilderness. Here, we see the same thing. The Lord led them into that season. He led them out into the wilderness because there was something that needed to happen there. Are we going to be people who recognize the leading of the Lord in order that we might give the appropriate response to God. Jesus gave the appropriate responses to that season of wilderness, that season of testing. He is the one who responded in the way that the Lord wanted. The Israelites in this text did not. And it took a very, very long time for them to learn that lesson and in the end, Moses still had to point it out to them. Could we be people who pay such close attention to the way the Spirit is leading 
that we give God the response that he wants in the season that we are in. So it doesn't take 40 years. Deuteronomy, as I mentioned, that the whole speech is given to a whole people. Moses, Moses isn't so much talking to you, to you, to you, as he is talking to the people as a people. It's this people on the edge of this particular land that need to, to learn these lessons. Of course, that gets applied individually. But ultimately, what Moses is after and what God is after is the formation of a whole people where their identity and their activities as a whole respond to the season that they are in, that they might give God the response that he wants based on his leading, based on the things that they are experiencing. Are you following that? God is interested in corporate entities. He leads corporate groups in a certain way. And he expects a corporate group to give him the response that he wants. Now that only happens as individuals make individual choices. But it's the collective leading and it's the collective identity. It's the collective formation that God is first and foremost after. We sometimes come to a, a, a church and we think, you know what, if I really want to, um, you know, it, it would bless other people if I jump in and provide what I can to support. That's very much true. And we appreciate it when you volunteer. What is equally or more true, however, is that the greater blessing comes as you join with a group of people that God is forming and you, you participate in that, what you will then see is that that forms you. There, well, God wants to form you as well, but it's not by you showing up here as an individual and leaving it. Part of the formation that God wants for you can only happen as you are part of God. And God works in y'all, and that the effect of that trickles down to you. You need God. God is forming a people, and this is a people like those in Deuteronomy on the edges. This is a people that we have seen the Lord work in over and over and over again, and that we are on the edge of what God wants to do. And it's a question of whether or not we will respond appropriately to the leading of the Lord based on the season that we are in as we see what he is doing, as we hear what he is saying. Where's north? North is that way. Where's south? Where's east? Where's west? If I give you east, will you know where every other point is? 
You will. That's how a compass works, right? You, it, as long as you have one direction, one point, you have them all. You can find them all, okay? Let me give you a compass in this passage. If you have God's leading, you will then understand God's formation or his discipline, and you will understand the season that you are in. If you have the season that you are in, then you will understand God's leading and the formation, the discipline that gets paired to that. If you only have God's, God's current formation in you, you see, you see what God is doing here. He's forming a people. He's forming me. He's doing it in these particular activities. If you only have that, you still have then the season that you are in, and you still have the way that he wants to lead. If you have north, you have them all. If you have east, you have them all. If you have south, you have them all. If you, have, if you get the season that we are in, then you can then work backwards to understand the discipline and the formation that God wants to do. If you have the formation of what God is doing, you can work it out to see his leading and, and to see the season that we are in. They always go together. It's right in the passage. He led them into the wilderness for a season to do these formational things, to humble them, to teach them dependence in order that they might know that he's got it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you have one piece, you have them all. And you can take that and you can apply it to your life individually. But more importantly right now, what you need to do is take that and apply it to the life that God is birthing in this congregation. Because it is first and foremost a message to a people. That's what Deuteronomy is about. What is the season this church is in? If you have that, then you can work down from there to the things that he wants to do to form people. And you can work that out to the leading of the Lord. If you have the leading of the Lord, you're not quite sure about the season. You're not quite sure what disciplines and formational things God is doing. But you have the season. You can work at it. And vice versa. You can do that in your life. But I very, very, very much encourage you to begin doing that here. Especially if you're a leader. I would like to offer you a moment of silent reflection. And ask the Lord, Lord, Drop everything Ben said, but give me what you're saying.
Our passage in the event that our passage was covering, there were people at very different points with God and very different points in their own particular lives. And people were complaining. Moses was having the time of his life with God. Joshua would not leave the tent of meeting. People have very, very, very different points. Very, very different activities still within the same season. Still within that wilderness season. What you are going through does not necessarily invalidate the larger season, and the larger season does not necessarily invalidate what you're going through. You need to find the relationship. And that takes time. And it can't always be done alone. We were never meant to be alone. And so if you can't find any point on the compass right now, then it's a season of discernment for you. Lord, where's the east? Point me to this side. You need the points on the compass, and you need other people to help you with. If you need to talk about that later, let's talk. Lord, would you have your way among us? May we, like, like Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians, these, these things reflecting from these very events, he says, were given to us as examples. Lord, may we learn from those examples. May we be wise enough to learn from the mistakes of others. May we be sensitive enough to you to, to respond to you in the ways that you want, including seasons of discipline and instruction, including seasons of provision where we say, I, I have more blessing than I can possibly, uh, I possibly know what to do with it, I ever thought possible, and yet it's still a season where you want us to pay attention to what you're doing. What do you want from, from us as a result of that? Lord, uh, as we, as we move through a season where you are at work in new and different and beautiful ways, Lord, may we pay attention to your leading and to the formation that you are doing in us so that we give you the response that you deserve, so that we act appropriately in the season. So we dress for the weather. Lord, dress us for the weather. Lord, may we be people who do all of this as an act of worship to our God. It's not about us. Even when we're thirsty, it's still about you. Lord, have your way among us. Lord, my, my prayer always as I go home is, Lord, would you remove everything that was of me in a message and only what is of you. Would you let that remain? And, and would you make sure that the seed that is scattered finds good soil and is nurtured appropriately? As we hear you speak, may we give you the response you deserve and not put it on pause or put it on the shelf. 
because we want more of you, Lord. We want you to have your way among us. We seek first your kingdom. Be our king, Lord. We love you. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace and more of himself every day. Go in peace.